Yes, another loss that we get to dissect in its full glory over the next 30 to 35 minutes, but I'm not going to do it alone, and you'll see what I'm talking about in a couple of minutes. Welcome, everyone. I am Clay Emo, Canuck Clay, both here on YouTube and on Twitter, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Truly, I am, despite what we saw on the ice, another loss for our beloved Vancouver Canucks, this one by the score of 5-2. to two. Seems like we're losing a lot of games by that that score this year, but hey, we, it seems like we're losing a lot of games. By the way, we're on a 56-point pace. 56 points. Not the 96 that we might need to make, make the playoffs. 56, but we'll get in all of that. So once again, welcome. I'm Clay Emo, Canuck Clay, here on YouTube and on Twitter. As we get going, I want to invite you to like this channel, this SDPN, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network channel right here on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel itself. Like this video. You're not liking the fact that Canucks got blitzed once again, but you're liking the fact that we are here together and we're able to talk about it as a group and uh, maybe try and make each other feel a little bit better. Also, liking the video obviously helps us out a lot. And if you're listening on the podcast um, network as well, please rate and review. We appreciate that as well. So lots to talk about. We'll talk about Bruce Boudreaux's future. Talk about what the Canucks have left in the tank for their... They still got one more game on the road before they come home. What kind of crowds are they going to be facing? All these type of things. But first, let me do my little ad read. And then let me bring on our special guest for tonight. Want to bet? You can do so at Sports Action Canada Sportsbook. Football continues. Basketball and hockey are well underway. You can bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsaction.com slash SDPN. Steve Dangle Podcast Network. That's sportsaction.com slash SDPN. Ontario only. 19 and over only. Please play responsibly. Well, I don't know if the Canucks played responsibly, but I do know that the person I have coming in here is very responsible because he was here on time. He's ready to go. So let's bring him in right now. Please welcome Mike. Hello. Oh, looking so good. My friend, Parker Halliwell. Parker, welcome. Hello. Good Good evening. Glad to be here after a, uh, a good old-fashioned Vancouver Canucks loss. <laughs> Parker, before we break this down, as we like to do usually... Tell everyone a bit about yourself, where what you're doing on YouTube, what you're doing for the Canucks, and yeah, just a bit about yourself would be awesome. Uh, yeah, my name is Parker. I go by Parker's Pucks here online. Uh, I make Vancouver Canucks videos um, for the last couple of years now. We uh, we do a podcast together called Canucks After Dark that you can find wherever you find your podcast, just like this one, by the way, that goes once a week. Uh, and then I do, yeah, my own stuff on my own channel, uh, Parker's Pucks as well. If uh, you're Vancouver Canucks inclined, uh, it's a place for you to maybe check out. Yes, I found Parker online about two, just over two years ago now. I was like, this guy's smart. This guy knows his stuff. This guy needs a way bigger following. And it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with his own good content. But his channel has grown quite a bit. And then we were able to partner starting, uh, weird time to start. It was like in the middle of last year when the Canucks were just as bad as this year. I don't know, they're doing a bit better. But Parker, tell us, uh, before we get to tonight's game, tell us a bit about what you do on your your channel, some live streams and some reaction videos, some breakdowns. What do you do there? Yeah, I do, um, you know, some some sort of post game stuff uh, similar to this. Um, I do, you know, sometimes I'll do some sort of film breakdown stuff like that. Although 
that's really high effort and sometimes i don't put the effort in uh and other times just you know reactions to breaking news things along those lines you know anything uh big happening around the nhl or with the vancouver canucks uh, i like to give my take on it apparently some people like to hear it um and yeah we got a fun little thing going uh over there awesome awesome yes and we uh we join together every monday night sometimes we have to move it depending if one of us is busy but every monday night we have an hour show ourselves called canucks after dark this is it is dark outside even on the pacific coast uh, but uh also dark is the vancouver canucks right now so parker i i have a few storylines i want to get to but to me what was the biggest storyline from this game we'll talk about big picture overall but to you what did you see uh, in tonight's game that in particular, maybe it's a repeat of something or something new, but what did you see in tonight's game? Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't anything new. Uh, it, it really feels like, you know, it's the same old lack of urgency, uh, lack of discipline. Uh, discipline was a real issue tonight. The Canucks have been okay at staying out of the box. Their problem is that when they're in the box, they they don't do anything uh, shorthanded. They, they get throttled when they're on the penalty kill and more of the same tonight, uh, even though... Power play, penalty kill-wise, they basically break even against Boston tonight. But it really just felt like, you know, you can look at the analytics and see, okay, things are pretty even at 5-on-5, but it just never felt that way throughout the game. It felt like the Canucks were the slower team. It felt like they were the second to get to every puck. It it felt like there's a, you know, it felt like Elias Pettersson and Bo Horvat were the only two people playing tonight, and everyone else was sort of standing by watching. Uh, and unfortunately, that's sort of been the way everything has been yeah. this season, with really those two players standing out as the only ones sort of having any action. I'll uh, add one more player to that, but I want to get your reaction to him. But before I do that, everyone, thank you for being here watching Game Over Vancouver. By the way, if you're watching and you, it's easy for you to go on YouTube or it's easy to go to you on Instagram or Snapchat, TikTok, whatever the cool people are doing these days, Facebook, share the video right now. Get more people in here. We have 80 of you in here, which is awesome. I think misery loves company. Parker and I always use that line, but it's true. Tell everyone that you are here watching Parker and Clay on Game Over Vancouver and breaking down this game. How about this one, Parker? Uh, Kyle Burles, I thought he was good, uh, especially in the first half of the game. He blocked a couple shots. He tried to rock Pasternak, and then uh, and then he, because of that instigator penalty that the Boston player took, that was the Canucks' first goal of the game, actually, Miller's power play. So I agree that Pedersen and Horvat were noticeable, but I think Kyle Burroughs was a nice welcome insert, insertion in the lineup, especially because it means Riley Steelman doesn't play. Yeah, and it's something that we've been clamoring for as as seemingly, it's one of those things where we can always say, you know, we can make our own suggestions on who we think should be in the lineup and whether that's Jack Rathbone or Kyle Burroughs or you go by however many years to Frank Corrado or whoever you might want to put in the lineup. Um, and most of the time, you know, we're not the ones making decisions for a reason, right? These coaches sort of know what they're doing, but this, these, these are the ones that are, are in and Kyle Burroughs in particular, more so than Jack Rathbone because Jack Rathbone has shown to be pretty lackluster defensively. And I think that might be um, being nice. Um, <laughs> Kyle Burrows has been, you know, a really solid third pairing defenseman. He showed it last year uh, in the, especially in the you know, last 20 games or so he's shown it in his limited spurts this year. Uh, it really is sort of unfathomable as to why he's not in the lineup more. Uh, and yeah, I think he was good tonight uh, for sure. And that's, I didn't sort of put that in the repeat column because he just hasn't played enough for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, maybe, they wanted to see who they had in Riley Stillman after giving up, you know, a second round draft pick to get him. Maybe they wanted, they were worried about Kyle Burrows playing quote on his offside because he technically played on the left side tonight on, on, you know, to Myers is right. But 
I, I think we've seen that he's definitely more effective than Stillman. He doesn't make the same type of defensive errors, lapses in judgment. And as much as you and I both like Jack Rathbone, we, we got to admit that Rathbone has struggled a lot too in his last couple of appearances. Yeah, and yeah, he was on his his wrong side, but that that doesn't really seem to stop him, yeah. right? I mean, you look you look at the analytics, right? While he's on the ice, uh, Canucks controlled sixty two percent of the shot attempts, fifty seven percent of expected goals at five on five, right? Like he he had a positive impact tonight. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who you know analytically had a positive impact tonight, even maybe less so. But yeah, and every every time we do see Kyle Burrows, it's rare that he's the one that people are going after. You know, you go on Twitter, it's a lot of Oliver Ekman Larson's on the timeline, and not a lot of Kyle Burrows um, when it comes to when it comes to some of the uh, the vitriol that we see. That's fair. A vitriol is a good way of putting it, and we're going to talk about some of that vitriol in a second. So so you viewers know where we're going. Park and I we're going to talk about what we observed about the game. In the first segment, then second segment, I want to Parker and I want to talk a bit about just what do we expect going forward? One more road game, then coming home, Bruce Boudreaux, Rutherford, and then our third segment, we will get into uh, the chat section. And it, Parker, what's really funny is people are used to watching us together on Monday nights on our show, and there's uh, quite a few comments in there saying it's cool to see you guys here, it's odd to see you guys here, you know, different logo, different, but we're just happy to bring a chance to bring our voices to the masses. And this is the only Canadian game that ended at this time. So uh, we do have a big audience in here. So we thank all of you for indeed being here. Tell me about Kuzmenko, healthy scratch, were you surprised? And then tell me about the other Russian pod and only playing two minutes. Um, as for Kuzmenko, I'm, I'm not really surprised. I think he has been very good, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy, he's, he's got what, six, seven goals already this year. Yeah. Um, he's, he has been uh, seven goals at this point, 11 points, 15 games. Like if someone goes and sees, okay, Andre Kuzmenko is a healthy scratch and they have been not following the Vancouver Canucks. They're just a casual hockey fan in some other market. Uh, and they say, oh yeah, Kuzmenko was that guy that the Oilers took to Joey and he didn't want to stay there. And and no, oh, he's a Russian free agent. How's he doing? They go and they see, oh, he has 11 points in 15 games and the Canucks have only won four and they're not playing him. Yeah. Seems odd. Um, it is second game on a back to back. He has never played, you know, this many games this frequently. Right. The most games he's played in a season is 57. Mm. Um, maybe that's something to do with it. We've seen his ice time take a bit of a dip over the past little while. Um, and for the Canucks, you know, scoring hasn't been an issue yeah. until really the last three games, right? The Canucks have been able to score a bunch of goals all year and they just get, they just allow more against, but you know, two goals for in each of the last three games. And you have to wonder, you know, especially this one where both those goals come on the power play, they get nothing done at five on five in those, whatever it was like 38 minutes or whatever, a five on five time tonight. Yeah. A guy like Kuzmenko might help, but if, you know, if he's nursing something or, I mean, I think he took a warm up, so that doesn't seem very likely. But mm. if it's a if it's a rest and relaxation type of thing, I kind of get it. Um, but I mean, the Canucks only play you know two games in the next five nights or so, the next week basically. They don't yeah. they only play two games before the following Monday, so lots of rest coming up for the Canucks. Um, a guy like Kuzmenko, you know, probably doesn't make the difference tonight, but it is weird to not see him at least get a shot to, you know, to try to pad those stats a bit, maybe get the Canucks on the board a couple more times. That's a great point, Parker, about the, yeah, his, the most he's ever played is, you're right, 50 games. So whether it is a bit of load management, although he's a younger guy, not a, not youngest, but he's a younger guy. But I, I've been seeing some 
advanced stats and some analysis of his game. And obviously a lot of his goals that you mentioned are, he does a great job of setting himself up in the crease at the, at the, you know, the side of the net and doing tap-ins deflections, good, good skilled plays, but he's not the best play driver. Obviously that's why you have Pedersen. He's not the guy who's going to bring the puck over the opposing blue line. And I think maybe the Canucks were looking to generate a little bit more off the rush and he's, a guy who really really doesn't do it. And I thought Sheldon Dries, he's not a complete replacement, but I thought Dries was pretty good getting his, his first goal of the season. Pod Colson, on the other hand, he, uh, he's he been struggling a little bit. Uh, we both had high hopes for him at the start of the season. We want him to do well on his cheap contract, but only gets to play two minutes. And then, uh, I don't know, best uh, maybe a brave decision, but not the smartest decision to fight. Is that the Boston guy's, uh, Bruins tough guy, or at least one of them? He looked tough. <laughs> he did look tough. He's got he's, he's got the last name Greer, which I think sort of has like a it has a toughness to it. Yeah, um, my, yes. which yeah, which I think might uh, might get in our heads a little bit. But yeah, uh, not the smartest decision, but yeah. not a surprising one when we're thinking about a player who has been seeing his ice time decline and is at the point where you know he sees Kuzmenko get pulled out of the lineup tonight. What's to stop? them from pulling him out of the lineup right. the next night to fit in a guy like Sheldon Dries when you can't trust JT Miller down the middle. So they got to pull someone out. Tonight it was Kuzmenko. No reason for the next night. It's going to be either, you know, Hoaglander or Pod Colson, most likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably not going to be one of the newer guys like Stanika, you know, Joshua and Amon are, are doing well. So it, it seemed like, you know, maybe Pod Colson is trying to fight for a spot in the lineup, trying to do sort of the classic, you know, that that's what hockey players are always told, right? If you can't get a spot in the lineup, you got to, you know, you got to fight or you got to show some toughness and show a reason that you should be in the lineup. Don't know if that maybe had an impact on his decision-making, but yeah, a bad decision. Um, Pod Colson's not a fighter. You know, he's pretty small. Um, You know, you saw Greer sort of shy away from Luke Shen. That would have been a bit more of an even match. That probably would have gone the Canucks way. And yeah, I mean, we saw Pod Colson play two minutes in the first 14 and a half minutes of play, right? He mm-hmm. probably felt that he probably thought, okay, I'm on track to play eight minutes tonight. I got to do something to try to, you know, get myself inserted into some ice time, uh, tie hockey game at that point, you know, trying to spark the boys, do something. Yeah. Um, just not, not the guy who should be having to do that. It's going to be so interesting because Tanner Pearson's out for at least four to six weeks. Curtis Lazar is is halfway through maybe his four week absence. So those are maybe and those are two forwards that you'd expect to be top twelve guys, obviously. So now if Podkozin's out, you technically don't have any extra forwards with Sheldon Drives playing. So maybe Hoglander uh, Kuzminko gets back in for Podkozin, and now you got to call up another player. So I don't know if you're thinking like a Will Lockwood if you need something like that, or do you take a flyer on a Baines or or a Carlson to get some more offense in this lineup? What do you think? I guess it depends if Podkozin's injured long term. Yeah, if if we have a guy like Pod Colson out, right? Uh, you know, he's playing the right wing. He's a left shot. Uh, Russians they do that. Uh, so he's the right <laughs> winger. Um, you know, the Canucks depth, all of their depth seems to be in mediocre defensemen and not as much on the forward side. You know, you'd like to see you know a Lockwood or yeah, like you said, a, a Carlson or, or someone along those lines. But I don't know if they're necessarily ready for the for the big time. I don't know if there's any. Uh, you know what? Can I play what Monday or sorry Tuesday next? So yeah. maybe someone hops on waivers tomorrow that Canucks <laughs> can take a flyer on. I mean, what are you doing Tuesday night, Parker? What are you doing Tuesday night? I am unfortunately probably watching the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, um, I thought you could play for the or at least help a little bit. I don't well, know. I don't think that would be an upgrade, okay. uh, especially on forward. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I mean, what are what are your options, yeah. right? Are you going to go with, you know, Klimovich isn't even making the AHL roster at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're looking at a Lockwood. Maybe is Phil Giuseppe healthy? Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. he plays the left side though, but I wouldn't hate to see him get another spin. Yep. Um, but yeah, your only real options if you need a right winger, I mean, you're looking mainly at a guy like Will Lockwood yeah. at this point. Parker, what do you think of this team, man? When I'm at work, I guess people know what I do, what we do. They everyone they they're out always asking me what's wrong with the Canucks, what's wrong with the Canucks, and I was at a social gathering last night. What's wrong with the Canucks? Um. I want to say within this game, but they're so mentally fragile to me. Those penalties that they're taking, putting it over the glass, although Boston took one too, just careless tripping, hooking penalties caused by not having confidence, not moving your feet, not battling. It's, it's aggravating. It's, you're just shooting yourself in the foot and you're playing against the best team in the league. Like that's obviously not a recipe for success. Did that surprise you just how even on Boston was too. They had each team had six power plays, but I thought the Canucks uh, kind of there three or four of those they didn't need to take. Yeah, I wonder if it's a frustration thing, yeah. right? Um, you know, being tired doesn't really, you know, they had two nights off before yesterday's game. The Bruins also on a back-to-back as well, so that's, you know, that sort of takes that out of the equation. Yep. Um, the Canucks were up against what what is Boston like the fifth best power play in the league coming out or was that the Canucks? I don't know. Boston yeah. was up there though, right? You look at yeah. you just look at the people Boston puts on the ice on the power play. That's that personnel cool. unit, they're dangerous and they're always going to be dangerous. You're not going to get away when you have the is it worst or second worst as Anaheim overtaking them. Either way, one of the worst penalty kills in the NHL. You're not going to survive yeah. against a, a thirteen and two team that has one of the best power plays in hockey if you take six penalties. Um, yeah. yeah, whether it's putting the puck over the glass. Whether it's breaking your stick on a shot and thinking, well, I got to do something and then using the bottom half of your stick to play the puck. Just like just mental lapses that are just, you know, they're excusable, right? They're they're silly mistakes that you cannot take. uh, And the Canucks have been taking them and they take them all year. And you think when you have such a bad penalty kill, you try your hardest to avoid these things. But yeah, it's just like a lack of focus. It's a lack of speed. It's a lack of urgency. And it's just like panically, like, I've got to do something. And it's and it's Tyler Myers throwing the stick in on Trent Frederick and spinning him down or whatever it might be um, to to really just throw away any chance that you might have of grinding out a win against a team that's this good. And for, for those of you watching and you're wondering, why is Clay smiling? Like, Isn't he a little bit upset about, of course I'm upset. About, Parker and I, we, and many of you spend a lot of time, energy and money. We invest that in the team, but we also, we're not going to, why? I was trying not to make sure they don't pout for half an hour. I'm giggling, though, because you know how you said Greer just sounds like a tough guy's name? You know what else sounds like a tough guy's name? When you don't even have a first name, you just use initials. His name is AJ Greer. Like that, to me, doesn't that kind of personify toughness? Yeah, it's tough. It's cool, (laughs) cool, tough guy. AJ Greer. Speaking of tough, let's talk about our D. Uh, To you, uh, did Kyle Burrows do enough to warrant staying in? ahead of, of Rathbone and Stillman. And what happens when Dermot ultimately comes back? What does your six blue liners look like? Yeah, he absolutely has. Yeah. He is he is leagues ahead of Riley Stillman. This Riley Stillman experiment has been <laughs> an absolute failure, um, right? When that when that Dickinson trade happened, we looked at it as like, well, it's a second round pick to get out of the cap, and maybe this Stillman guy will be a nice depth piece. He hasn't been. Yeah, he he really has not warranted being in the lineup over Kyle Burrows, and I don't know why he has been 
um, so much, but you know, you just look at ice time, right? You know, Kyle Burroughs played 18 minutes tonight. Yeah. The the defense was split up pretty evenly, right? Quinn Hughes, the only defenseman over 20 minutes. Everyone else was sort of in the 17 to 19 minute range. Um, you know, Burroughs has been very solid. When Dermott comes back, though, um, you know, which we don't know when he's coming back at this point, right? It's a concussion. So it's yeah. it's one of those things that's always up in the air. But yeah, you you think that they're gonna definitely try to to slot him in, and it's in theory it's one of Burroughs or Bear who would need to come out. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I guess I I don't know if they you know move Burroughs to number seven and then start rotating them in and out. If maybe they're trying to ease Dermot back in, or maybe it's you know we're panicking, we need something to work. Let's put Dermot in every game for twenty two minutes a night and hope he can salvage something, which seems like a terrible position to have to be in. I want Bear to do well. We we all love his story. We love how tenacious he is. I I haven't been fully impressed with him just yet. I know he was uh, a couple of things I want to say about the D, and I would love uh, your opinion, Parker. Number one, uh, I'm not blaming Bear for the loss at all, but I do know on that four and four goal, he kind of uh, maybe he was tired, but he kind of made a horrible line change. Uh, went to the bench at the wrong time. It was the it was the far, uh, it was, and then and then it led to a three on two. And Boston is so well. Every team against the Canucks so good at those cross ice passes. And I felt bad for Demko on a lot of these goals. So I haven't been impressed with Bear. And the other thing I was going to say is Oyel and Myers together, they've been atrocious on this road trip. So they were split maybe to get some speed with them. So actually Bear did play with Oyel and then Myers got to play Burroughs and you don't break, uh, you know, break apart Hughes and Shen. So two things, what's your impression of Bear so far? And are you fine with Oyel and Myers never playing together? I shouldn't say that, but them being split up as well. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm sort of on the same page on bear. I, I, I look back at what he did in Edmonton yeah. and, and he did show, you know, flat. I mean, he was a top four defenseman there cause he had to be right. They were sort of in a similar situation to where the Canucks were supposed to be this year. Right. Pretty mm-hmm. thin on defense, uh, but some offensive firepower, but they made it work a little bit better as for OEL and Myers, man, all of Rickman Larson looks bad. <laughs> He, he looks so like he cannot move his feet at all. Um, he, you know, there's that one play where the puck came back to the point. And I think Elias Pettersson was fully expecting him to pinch because he would have gotten there nine times out of 10. Yep, yep. Uh, and he backed off. Right. And you give up possession, basically two on one the other way. Um, you know, it's, it's poor decision-making, but most of all, it's, it's just lack of speed, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got to be able to move when you have a guy like David Pasternak coming in on you, right? He's going to just beat you. Right. If if I'm looking up and I'm seeing a, a guy who's, you know, 30% slower than me, my move, I'm not going to try to get through him. I'm just going to take it wide and I'm going to get to the net before he is, you know, nine times out of 10. And, you know, it's, you know, teams are going to pick up on that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking at the film. And they're going to say, hey, this Ekman Larson guy, he's playing 20 minutes a night and he is slow. Yeah. Right. And he's out there with Tyler Myers and they are both slow. You get past him and you've got all the time in the world. So, yeah. Yeah, as for them not playing together anymore, I mean, I don't know how you can unless you're keeping one of them like, you know, every time a puck comes close to the blue line, if you're backing one of them up to center ice so they don't get beat, but, you know, then you're giving up so much offensive potential that, you know, hindering yourself even more that, yeah, yeah. I don't see... I, I don't see a world where you can put them together, but yeah. it's not like the Canucks have a ton of options either. That, great point. And then once Dermot comes back, at least it opens it up a little bit. You can put Dermot as high as a second pairing. So if you go, you could see you could see something like Hughes and Shen, Dermot with Myers, and then OEL with 
you know, with with a Burroughs on the right side, for instance. I, I'm sure I just missed someone there, but yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. We will see what happens for sure. Last uh, question about tonight's game, Park, and then we'll talk about bigger picture stuff. Your impressions on Demko tonight? We've talked about the forwards. We talked about the defenseman. How about the goaltender tonight? Well, you, I mean, again, you look at the numbers and you go, okay, well, Demko allowed four goals on, what, 31 shots again. Yeah. That's not great. Um, I thought he was fine. Uh, and again, he that's that's kind of the problem, though, is he has been fine for the majority of the year. A couple mm-hmm. of great saves, a couple of big saves, uh, which he hasn't been giving the Canucks very much of. Um, but yeah, again, not, not a world-beating effort from Thatcher Demko. One of his better games as of late. Yep. Um, not the reason they lost, which he really hasn't been many nights this year. It's just, again, we're not seeing those games where Demko stops 30 of 31 yeah. uh, and wills the team to a win. Uh, and that's tough, right? When you have 12 minutes of power play against you from one of the best power plays in the league, yeah. th- then sure, yeah, you can't put too much that on Demko, right? But allowing, you know, two five on five goals in on probably like 25, 20 shots or whatever that is, um, you know, a, a fine effort. But again, still not that world beater that we've mm-hmm. we really needed in the latter half of last year, and that they got. Don't you think Parker the Canucks must hold the league record or the league lead in allowing uh, two on ones, basically breakaways? Because it start, what starts as a two on one, even before the puck even gets in their zone, you'll have the defenseman try and make a play on the boards, and then they simply get it through the defenseman. I could count on two or three of those, even when we were on the power play that Demko came up big. So those goalies are not getting much support, are they? Yeah, I I hate their strategy on two-on-ones. Yeah. Um, And it's one of those things that gets instilled at you at a low level of hockey, like Mm. Pee Wee House. If you're a defenseman, you have a two-on-one on on you. Yep. Try to run some interference, but focus on the guy, focus on the second guy, right? Let your goalie make the save. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to harp on the last on yesterday's game, but you know, you go, you have Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers coming back on defense on a two on two, and they <laughs> both go to the same guy on the wall and they leave a breakaway wide open, right? Yeah. And it happens so much where if I'm on a two on one and I'm a forward and I'm coming in on the rush and I got my guy beelining it to that, and the defenseman comes at me, let's say I have a 30% chance of getting it through to him. Yep. I love those odds yeah. because it's a 30% chance that my guy is one-on-one on the goalie and he probably scores like 40% of the time there, right? We got good odds. We're scoring here. Yep. And you know, I, I just hate the way that they run these. You got to trust your goalie, especially goalie like Thatcher Demko yeah. to be able to make a save on a guy who has a wrist shot from the hash marks yes. or like from the top of the circle, right? That's a shot that's going to go in sometimes but it's going to go in less than if that puck gets across, your goalie has to slide over and now there's basically a breakaway uh, or even just a quick one-timer. Uh, it's a it's a dangerous way that they're playing and and they're too slow to recover if they do make a mistake. And great point. And if you're Demko or Martin and you don't trust your defender to block that pass that you just talked about, then you're now cheating over to the other side and you're making it even easier for the first guy to shoot and maybe find a hole now on your short side. It's just... A recipe for disaster. So let's end off this first segment. I think we've done a pretty good job of talking about the good, not a lot, and the bad of today's game. If you are watching, you're still with us. Thank you for being here. Why don't you type in the chat where you're watching from? I I know many of you are from Vancouver. We recognize a lot of the names, but I also recognize a lot of the names from other Game Over shows. So why don't you type in the chat exactly where you're watching from as we get ready for our second segment. Make sure you subscribe to SDPN and make sure you like this video as well. Okay, Parker. 
They are now one and three on this road trip. They are a 56 point pace, as I mentioned off the top of the show. This feels a lot that, like when they sorry. came home last year and uh, we, you know, they were actually winning a couple of games and then they had that debacle against Pittsburgh, Jersey on the ice, fire, Benning, Chance, and then uh, we know what happened after that. Are we at that place yet or is somehow Rutherford, they're, all eyes were on the, on the game yesterday. Rutherford was there. Alvin was there. I think, uh, yeah, Kevin Granado was there. So all eyes were on that game. And then a back-to-back in Boston against the best team. Got one more against Buffalo. What can we expect? Either now to Buffalo or coming home to play LA on Friday. Do you expect anything to happen? Not necessarily. And you said 56-point pace. That actually That's actually higher than I thought. Just like guessing in my head, I would have said 40. Uh, and the way it has felt does not even feel like 56-point pace. But yeah, looking ahead, um, I mean, we're, we're it's what, a Monday and a Tuesday? I don't see it. Um, I, I think they got it, you know, they clearly have to do something. Um, but yeah, it is very eerily similar to last year, right? Eight, 15 and two, uh, the Canucks are right now, what, four, nine and three. Yes. That's, was that, is that a lower points presented or about the same? It's that's 11, real... yeah, 11 points out of 32. So that's, that's why they're on pace for 56. Yeah. And that's probably around the pace they were on last year at when, when everything imploded, right? They're, they're that's... very they're they're really just doing a speed run of of what happened last year yeah um and and, you know last year we saw a change make a big difference um and it depends what that change is right are you making a big trade right the canucks haven't done that they've made a a handful of small trades that have technically impacted the lineup with studnika with bear Mm -hmm. um with stillman unfortunately and it hasn't done anything right things have the ship has not turned around so do they go big right do they do they say all right we're going to ship off a big name and see if that i think parker may have frozen so i'm going to try and get him back in so let me do this parker not sure you can hear me on the stream i think you guys can still hear me on the stream or maybe not let's see what happens so I will try and get Parker back in here uh, as we go. And hopefully you guys can still hear me. And yeah, let's start typing in your questions or your comments as you've been doing in the chat. I'm going to try and get Parker back in. And as we are going, because uh, uh, see that, I I think this game, this team has gotten Parker so upset that he just kind of freezes sometimes when he talks about the game, which, which is fine. So once again, yes, the Canucks, they are playing in Buffalo on Tuesday to wrap up their their five game road trip, a road trip that has seen them go one and three, and they're going to come back actually all the way back to Vancouver, uh, further under five hundred than when they than when they started, and that is not, of course, what we want to hear. That is not what we what we were planning for, and as many of you are saying, maybe this is simply the team that we have. So I am recording I can see in Parker progress. Can get back into our our little uh, meeting. And if not, I, I will wrap up the rest of the show uh, without him, but hopefully he gets back and hopefully he's listening to me, me, me stall to give him time to get back, but we'll see if he's able to get recording. Stop. Oh, <laughs> he just, te- he just texted me much like the Canucks. Um, Parker uh, had a power outage, a, a brief power flicker at his place. So that's okay. Uh, sometimes even someone as powerful as Parker. Oh, speak of the angel. Okay, hold on. Let me try. Give me two seconds. I have to. Maybe we can do this seamlessly. In three, in two, and one. 
Oh no! Boom! You're back. Yeah. What happened? Uh, sorry about that. Uh, my power just flickered. Uh, very odd. Everything you, shut down. But you know what the beautiful thing is? I was getting all nervous because we've been talking so well so long that I got that big uh, Zoom because I'm cheap. I'm on the free Zoom. It said, your meeting will end in 10 minutes. But because of that restart, we can go even longer than 10 minutes now. <laughs> we saved it. So what were we talking about? Uh, I think we were talking about how the Canucks are probably not going to do anything right. in the next couple of days, but yeah. they, they need to do something soon if they're trying to salvage the season. But yeah, I, I was just trying to wrap up by saying it's it's too little too late. It feels like, right, last year they were in this position. They couldn't make up for it in time, and they were on a world-beater pace. What are the odds they pull something like that together again? Yeah. Very slim. Uh, I think it's, you know, they're cooked, right? They're already five games below 500. Yep. Yeah, and I'm sure you didn't see it because your power was out, but as I was uh, hoping that you'd come back, I was basically saying, here was a chance to creep close to 500, even up to 500. And now at one and three, they've actually dropped further behind, which is... And remember, to make the playoffs, for anyone who still has those aspirations, you you got to be 14 games over 500, not just at 500. This is, this is rough, man. Yeah, well, they got to win what? Let's say they got to win 19 more games than they lose yeah. for the rest of the year, at yeah. least in regulation, right? And there's only, what, 66 games left? 68, 64, 66? Yeah. 66 games left? So so the Canucks have to win... They got to basically go 40, 20, and 6, basically, or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. They have to win 40 more games this year, and they only have about 66 games to do it. Uh, I don't see it happening. <laughs> that is a... That is a sobering thought. You're right. They played 16, um, and they have 11 points. Yeah, we, we just nailed it. And then they, if they want to get to 97, they have to go get their 66, uh, 86 points, 40, 20, and 6 in those 66 games. Man, when we say it like that, now yeah. I'm sad. Why, you know, why have hope? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> yeah no it's it, i mean it's it's the same old story right uh, the canucks you know shoot themselves in the foot and then they're gonna try to salvage it and it will likely you know again you know all odds point to it being too little too late because yeah. they are already you know they're already running out of time what what are we we're we're 20 of the way through the season as yep. of tonight yeah 20 percent of the way through and they have 11 points yeah you're not you're not getting anywhere from here I want to get there's 140 people in here, which is great. Uh, they they must have heard that you were coming, so I want to get to a lot of their their comments for our last segment. So I, I have one more question to you, big picture wise. If you had to nail uh, one reason why, one reason, and I'm gonna I'm gonna help you, and I say you can only pick coach or players. It doesn't mean that that's what's gonna get fixed or, or remedied right away, but. And I know that the easy answer is, well, it's obviously a bit of both. You can only coach the players you're given and they blah, blah, blah. What do you think? What's the issue here? It's the players. It's, and and again, that nuanced answer is what I would like to take because yeah. the players, you know, react to, to how the coach coaches. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's a complete failure on the defensive end, right? Whether it's, and it's not even just the defenseman, right? It's the forwards coming back. Um, and a big part of that is, you know, whenever JT Miller plays center, yeah. there's a, there's a big hole in the Canucks own zone that is not helped out by the goaltender, not playing well and the defense, not playing well. 
Um, you know, there, it's a failure at every level that is leading to too many goals against, whether it's the penalty kill not working, whether it's the defense being bad, whether it's the goaltending not being at the level that we're used to, and the forwards, you know, not contributing well enough in their own zone. Um, you know, it's just a failure on every single component of the players that seemingly like only three or four players are exempt from. Uh, and for that to be the case, that is just strictly an indictment on the players as a whole. Yeah, I can't. You know how every broadcast, no matter what network you're watching on, after a goal is scored, you know you can always count on the same four shots, right? They show the goal. Uh, they show the goal scorer. Sometimes they cut to the goalie. Then they always cut to the opposing team's coach, right? <laughs> and yeah. then then they cut to the goal scorer doing the flyby. Yeah, exactly. Past yeah. the bench. So we know the four shots they always go to. Man, looking at Boudreaux, and I, I, I like him a lot. I, I really do. But I, I, I felt, I felt for him. Just uh, he, he was at a loss. I don't know. You saw after each of the goals, he's either mumbling, he's probably swearing, he's probably, he, he doesn't even bother trying to do pep talk anymore. He, I just saw him like kind of looking up at the scoreboard or looking up the replay a couple times. It's rough. Yeah, it's it's pure defeat, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, what's he gonna do, right? What is he gonna say to the players that he hasn't tried to say? after every game after every practice in every intermission right like like what he he knows that what he says isn't going to turn this around because it just it can't when the team is playing this way right he said it in his post game i think it was yesterday when he said yeah we have a 10 minute lull every game like we just have 10 minutes where we don't try and and like what is he supposed to do about that right he's he just stand there he knows he knows the camera's cutting to him right it does every time (laughs) that's a good point stand there and like kick the kick the glass punch the glass punch a player in the head like we've seen a couple times before um not from him but yeah yeah uh, yeah like what is he gonna do right It, it is just pure defeat because the writing's on the wall right we know what's happening we know he's not back next year what we don't know is you know, does he make it the rest of this year? He doesn't know that yet. All he knows is his current paycheck will come until the end of the year. And then who knows, you know, where does he go from here? You know, we'll, we'll have to see, but it's not going to be here. Uh, wonderfully said, uh, I feel for him. And I think you nailed it. That's a great point. If we know the four shots that the, the, the network goes to, I'm sure he knows that he's on camera after every goal as well. So let's do this. We're going to head into our final segment now. The good thing is we don't have to cut it off in five minutes. We can go for about 10 or 12 more minutes. But this is what I'd like to do. Everyone in the chat, amazing discussion in there. There's 160 people in here, which is crazy. Again, Parker, I call it the Parker bump. Put in the chat so we kind of focus a little bit. We want to know, I want to know, um, where do the Canucks go from here? And I admit, I can't say the T word. People know I can't say T-A-N-K in its full. But I see many people are saying that. Others are saying if I was Boudreaux, I'd walk away before they could fire me. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you start a true rebuild right now? And you can do that without acknowledging that you're teeing, but you can still say, you know, let's trade Horvat for assets. Let's trade Miller before there's no trade. So we want to hear from you. And we'll I'll highlight a few of them. I'll get Parker's reaction. Where do the Canucks indeed go from here? Uh, let's start with what the Zedrick said. Um, there's this notion that the Canucks don't want to have to pay three coaches, i.e. this year is Green's last year on his contract. Boudreau, then you'd have to pay him out this year and then hire a third coach. But I thought I saw Rick Dollywell or someone say on Twitter, Parker, that that Rutherford said if it comes to that, that's not going to be an issue. They're not going to not fire Bruce and hire a new guy just so they don't have to pay three guys. Did you see that as well? 
I did. And that was, I think this morning, if anything, um, maybe last night, but he did say, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, Dolly wall can be sort of the mouthpiece for whether it's management or agents or or things along those lines, right? He has good relationships with them. So wish with them. So if they want to put a statement out, he's a guy that he'd be like, yeah, I talked to him and this is what he said. (laughs) There's a couple, there's a couple of flaws here. One is we have heard this from every single general manager in Canucks history at the time that they were the general manager. Yep. They have all said, I have full autonomy, X, Y, Z. If I need to trade a player, I need to fire a coach, whatever, I can do it. Hmm. And then we always hear after the fact, well, they didn't really have autonomy, right? There was some puppeteering going on from up above. Um, however, I just, I don't feel like Jim Rutherford of all people takes this job if he doesn't get the promise of full autonomy, right? That seems weird to me. Especially at his age. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like, I feel like he, like he doesn't need this job, right? Um, <laughs> if anything right he's not he doesn't need the money right i don't imagine um yeah so that part that part is weird to me um the whole paying three coaches thing is also weird to me because it's a few million dollars and that's a lot of money yeah but the pay the player payrolls you know 84 million or whatever the canucks are over this year right with all their money in ltir and everything right they're they're technically they're they're projected cap it is 88 million dollars per cap friendly right now so you know they're paying a lot of money Mm -hmm. right they have a lot of money you know i guess billionaires don't become billionaires by throwing money around but they have lots of money right they can afford to pay a guy you know they can afford to take a two million dollar hit for a year um you know they paid louis erickson 36 million us dollars they can afford to pay a good coach so i i hate the the idea that that's where the line gets drawn of, yep, we'll pay, we'll pay to the cap every year to make this team as good as possible. Even but, if you no know, bad decisions are made. Yeah. This is where we draw the line on this $2 million. Well, Irwin has a really good suggestion, Parker. He says, uh, why doesn't Rutherford step in as the interim coach? Then he just pay, gets his president salary and you're not paying a third coach. <laughs> well, if I'm being asked to do that, I am asking for some extra salary, uh, yes. some danger pay. If I'm Jim Rutherford for some, for some pucks flying that way, uh, potentially, yeah, I mean, you know, that that is another option, right? Yeah. They could go the interim route, right? They could push up a guy like Mike Yo, which I think would be terrible, but um, you know, that's those are options that they have unless they think they need a brand new voice um for the rest of the season. But again, they're so far behind the eight ball that maybe it isn't worth those couple million dollars, right? right to make <laughs> to to try to salvage the season because uh in all odds that's it's not gonna happen. Good point. Joseph is saying what I think a lot of people are thinking, and he says it quite articulately. He says, retool, sell Horvat while value is high, trade Miller before his no trade kicks in, and get a top pick and improve the D in the offseason. Five things that sound all good, all put together. Do you think they could entertain any of those, especially the trading Horvat or the trading Miller? I don't think they could yet. Okay. I think I think we need to be a lot closer to the trade deadline. Um Mm-hmm. I if this team is let's say and they're on track for it let's say they're eight games below 500 a week or two before the trade deadline right oh. and we're talking there's 30 games left in the season they'd literally have to win out to make the playoffs right like when their odds get like below 10 percent and let's us you know maybe Horvat's value is still really high right I mean at that point he could have reasonably uh, with you know 60 games into the season or 50 games into the season he could have like 26 goals at that point Mm -hmm. and have a lot of value um i mean yeah what other choice do you have 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Your cupboards are empty, right? You see a guy like Danila Klimovich not getting ice time uh, in Abbotsford. Uh, you know, your best prospect is a guy who no one had heard of until the day before the draft in LeCarrie Mackey, right? <laughs> um, the cupboards are empty. Yeah. They don't have a lot of draft picks. They're capped out. Like there's no, this was supposed to be the team that makes the playoffs. Then you can incrementally, incrementally build off that to be a contender. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen, right? So something big has to change because otherwise you're just going to have another five years of this before anything meaningful happens when you get those cupboards restocked. Um, Cause yeah, this is the team that the Canucks have. So they're going to have to do something. I just don't think they do it yet. I think they wait until February to mm-hmm. do something huge like that. Well, good answer, Parker. And obviously the, you're focusing on, on the players on the ice. You know, some people in the chat are saying maybe when they talk about coach, it's not necessarily Boudreaux. Not everyone is sold. And you kind of hinted at it, at the assistant coaches. So you had Trent call that came up from Utica slash Abbotsford and he's running the, the D and the penalty kill. You have Jason King, who's been here for a while, running the offense and the, and the power play. And then you have Mike Yo coming over, and he's kind of, I guess, doing everything with, with Boudreaux. So when you look at Yo, Colin King, maybe that's not the most confidence-inducing trio working with Boudreaux. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I, I Again, we, haven't, we, we see the worst penalty kill in the league night in, night out. Uh, the defense isn't playing great, but they're they're not great, and it really is an effort level all around that seems to be lacking. So, the thing is, a couple of those guys just got these new roles, right? Yeah. Mike Yo is is just got here. I don't know what his contract looks like, right? Are they gonna, you know, maybe he's getting paid for the next three years and probably a much lower salary than the head coach, but still, right? It adds up. Um, yeah. And to do that across the board, um, yeah, I I don't I don't see it, especially because what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go bring in? like three new assistant coaches on contracts that end at the end of this year. Is that going to be great for their resume to have been a part of this Canucks team, right? They're going to have their name associated with this group um, uh, on their resume for their next job they're looking for. It, it seems like a bit of a tough sell. Right, right. Okay, I got two more questions for you, and then I'll let you go, Parker, and then we'll wrap this up. One of them is a practical strategic one. Um, how is it that we are... are- Power play is pretty good, fifth in the in the league, and again two out of six. And our penalty kill is so atrocious. Is it <laughs> is it coaching? Is it personnel? Is it systems? Is it is it will to win? Is it skill? What what is it in your eyes? So I think the power play is very good because of personnel, and I don't think it's very systemic. They have they play a very predictable, very stationary style on the power play that really has three triggers, right? Leas Patterson on one side, JT Miller skating downhill on the other side, yeah. or a quick pass to Horvat in the middle. Um, it, it's predictable, but there's three options in there, and they all have good shots, and and you know it works enough. Um, I think, it, and I think that's the personnel um, being great. Um, yeah. The penalty kill, I, I think, is quite systemic because what we see is no matter who they put there, whether it's Pedersen and Horvat, or whether it's you know some worse defenders yep, like Kev, Sidnika, all those guys. Yeah, yeah, right. No matter who you put in, the Canucks are still you know going at a sixty to sixty-five percent clip, night in, night out. Right tonight, they go four for six on the penalty kill, um, and you look at the guys on the penalty kill. Right, Elias Pettersson played four minutes of PK time tonight. Horvat yeah. played four minutes. Mikheyev played four minutes. JT Miller only played a minute and a half on the PK. Um, it doesn't matter who's out there; they still get shelled. Yeah, right. And, and to me, it's they just don't move. Yep. They give so much time. And yes. 
they're, they're not in a box, right? The box is sort of the classic, right? Yep. You got one guy on one D-man, one guy on the other D-man, and then you sort of shift over. And then same with, you got one defender that goes to the corner, the other defender that goes to the other corner, and then you shift who's in front of the net and you can bring a guy down if need be, yeah. right? That's the box. The Canucks do this weird sort of like one, one, two. It's like a rhombus. And, and then both of the ones end up on top of each other yeah. uh, at the top of the slot and both defensemen are wide open. And they can just pass it around as much as they want until they finally find an open seam where it's just a shot that seems to beat uh, our goalies most of the time. And and there's no pressure, you know, they can take their full two minutes. They're going to get a few shots. It's not going to get cleared probably. Um, Yeah. I really think it's a system problem. I I think they need to just be more aggressive because it looks exactly the same as it did last year. And it's the exact same structure as last year, but the people they're putting on the ice is changing. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think um, Horvat, Miller, PD, Mikheyev, Sunika, they're all smart, Pearson, they're all smart players. But if, yeah, it's something you touched on, uh, not only not aggressive enough, but I, th- I don't think their sticks are active enough because so many times we see a cross seam pass from one flank to the other, or as you saw Bergeron's goal, an easy entry pass. And Bergeron, he's so good, but he that, that tip over Demko's shoulder. So I yeah, they're not getting beat on point shots. They're not even getting beat down low. They're getting beat on cross cross seam passes. So, yes, great point. Yeah. About, yeah. And Sorry. how many times have we looked at JT Miller try that cross seam pass to Pedersen and it gets broken up, right? That yes. is what those active sticks can do, yeah. right? You, you know, quickly shifting what side your stick is on, right? Moving mm-hmm. around, um, you know, extending, retracting, right? Make it so they have to guess on yeah. what the way through is going to be and half the time it won't work. And then you clear down the ice and you kill 30 seconds off. But yeah, it's it's so stationary. It's so inactive and it's just so passive. And that's really the problem with the Canucks as a whole is they just feel too passive and too lazy as a whole. Sure. Excellent, Parker. Last question. Quick one. Um, do you think Horvat, if you were Horvat, do you think Horvat actually wants to stay here? Would you? Nope. Yeah, neither would I. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, you're the leader of this team and and the fan base loves you for the most part. Um, But, you know, he is he's going to be, what, 28 next year. Um, His birthday is April 5th. So he'll be 28 by the end of the season. Um, You know, he's going to be signing probably a six or seven year deal that takes him to when he's 34. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, is basically he'll turn 34 at the end of his next contract. It's a six year um yeah would you want to be on a team that you've made the playoffs twice and one of those times was kind of lucky in his first year under willie d and sure um you know when they sort of snuck in someone got 101 points and then did absolutely nothing in the playoffs and then they had that one bubble run completely helped out by your goaltender going uh, absolutely crazy and <laughs> putting up a 975 in one series like that's that's something that you know if you want to be a contender you can probably take a million dollar a year pay cut. You can still make whatever it is, $50 million on your next contract. And you can go somewhere that's cheaper to live and maybe more competitive, yeah. right? And sort of balance that out. Um, and it'll probably be a lot more fun because, you know, these players, you know, you grow up and you're hoping to compete for a Stanley Cup. You're hoping to win a Stanley Cup. You're shooting pucks in the driveway, pretending it's the Stanley Cup winning goal. And, he hasn't been anywhere close to that. Yeah. Not like not even, and, and there's no seemingly easy way out of this. Right. I, I would have no desire to, to stay in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. I agree with every single thing you just said, Parker. And I'll add one more thing. This off season, he basically saw himself leapfrogged in terms of priority. 
here the whole thought was yeah sign horvat and we'll see what we do with miller and then suddenly august it gets announced that miller signs a a new eight-year contract or whatever seven-year contract and he's like well what about me do we even have no so It'll be fascinating to track. I know we talk about it all the time on, on our show as well. So um, we'll, we'll just kind of see what happens as the Canucks sadly continue to lose. So Parker, I'm going to let you go or and then I will do the, the wrap up without you so you don't have to wait around for it. But once I want to thank you. Obviously, uh, a lot of people want to hear what you had to say. We had a good crowd out tonight despite the loss. And I know you and I have our show tomorrow night. But one last time, can you let everyone know where they can follow and uh, consume your content? For sure. Thank you very much for having me, of course. Of course. Um, yeah, you can find me on YouTube at Parker's Pucks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Parker's Pucks on YouTube. I do some post-game stuff, uh, some film breakdowns when I'm not super lazy, like I said before. Um, and then, of course, Clay and I do our show, Canucks After Dark, every Monday night. Uh, you can find it by searching Canucks After Dark, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And yeah, we'll be there tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Pacific, just like sometimes every monday <laughs> and lastly um thank you for sacrificing your own show unless you are you going to do your own show now as soon as we as soon as you get nope. off no you're... no this was enough they lost i don't need to talk anymore about this team i think we kind of dissected it pretty good all right man thanks a lot i will wrap up uh, i'll let you go and i will see you tomorrow night thanks again parker sounds good have a good one all right take care bye well there he was there was parker hollowell of parker's pucks um obviously a very very uh knowledgeable guy I love working with him, and I was very grateful that he, uh, yeah, instead of doing his own show tonight, he he uh, agreed to come on this one, and I think we were we we're all grateful for that. So I, I'm sorry that I didn't get to as many comments as I wanted to in the in the chat section today because I wanted to milk all of Parker's knowledge. But there's certainly I, I've been reading them as we go. Well, trying to you know it's kind of tricky. You're trying to pay attention to your guests. Uh, actually, technically, I'm looking at my camera even though my guest is down there, and then I have your chat here. But we appreciate you so much, uh, all of us here across the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. We appreciate that you are so interested and invested in all these shows. So once again, thank you for being here. I'm going to take a bit of, um, I don't have Tuesday because that's my bowling night. And I don't have Friday or Monday because I'm at the game. So I think the next time you see me will be sometime next week. But of course, uh, the week after, I should say. But of course, with Kaya May and with Sam, you are certainly in very, very good hands so once again i want to thank parker for joining us i want to thank all of you for spending some time on a sunday with us here watching game over vancouver so before you go on your way out make sure you subscribe to sdpn right here make sure you like the video and make sure if you're listening the next day on a podcast platform make sure you rate and review as well and while you're doing all that stuff i'd be fine if you followed me as well cannot clay both right here on youtube and right uh as well on twitter so um yeah, where do the Canucks go from here? Well, they have uh, they have one night to kind of well, two nights, but uh, I'm not sure if they're going to practice tomorrow. It seems like the type after playing back to back, they'll probably take a day off, and then they will, um, and then they will play their final game of their road trip this Tuesday in Buffalo before they come home. So I'm going to wrap up with a bad joke as I like to do on these streams. So and this one's pretty bad, I, I must say. So as always, thank you for watching. Have a great rest of the the limited time on your weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, and take care of each other. And I know know a guy, one of my buddies, actually went on a date last night with a girl from the zoo. I heard it was great. She's a keeper. Zoo keeper. Take care and go Canesco. Good night, everyone.
Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.